Let's pray together. Our Father, you are our home. You are where we have our peace, our solace. Lord, you give us rest for our weary souls, our weary emotions. God, we draw near to you. Because I know and we know your scripture teaches us that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. God, help us today to understand your word. Open our eyes. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Question for you this morning. What do you do when things don't go the way that you would like them to go? What do you do? Pastor Stephen says, I pout. (laughs) At least he's honest, right? We go through a myriad of emotions when that happens many times. Some of us deal with it by getting mad at someone. Even so far as punishing people when we don't get our way. Being angry. Some of us sulk. We clam up and we give the silent treatment. Others might blame someone. It doesn't go my way. It's Ambriel's fault. You're right about that one. And that leads sometimes to destroying relationships. Casting unfair blame. Isolating ourselves. Sulking. Avoiding the situation. Coping with unhealthy mechanisms. Escapism, substances, anger, prolonged grief, whatever it may be. But the Bible is full of warnings to us that life is about dealing with these things rather than escaping from these things. In fact, as we read through the scripture in Acts chapter 9... Paul is converted from a place of bringing suffering upon people such as Stephen, even to the point of death in Acts chapter 7. Paul is brought face to face, literally, with Jesus Christ the Lord. And what does Jesus tell Paul? Jesus says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my Name's sake. Here's our major point for today. As we look at joy, we've walked through what is joy. We've looked at joy in different facets. Last week it was joy in togetherness, being together as a church body. Why it's important to be together as a church family or together as a 
body of believers. We are different parts of that body. That was last week. We've looked at defining joy. And Miss Stacy, she's got a slide for us. Here's our church definition. What I've proclaimed to you is how we define Christian joy. It is a quality in us that is produced by the Spirit of God that delights in God. This is Christian joy. This is not joy going down a roller coaster per se, but this is Christian joy. Joy that delights in God's godness. This morning, we look at a difficult topic, and it's one that that we have discussed before, but it's an important topic, and it is this, joy when things don't go our way. Joy in suffering. Joy in hardship. And so here's our major point this morning, and is this. God is sovereign when you hurt. God is sovereign when you hurt. We believe that God is in control. God is in charge. God is not dismissive of your life. God is not far away from you, but he is sovereignly near when you are hurting. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 says this, For it has been granted to you, granted to you, given to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, help me out church, but also what? To suffer for his sake. Now, this is the church. Next week, we will begin walking through the book of Philippians together, a book of joy. Our theme for this year being joy. But here at the end of the first chapter, Paul says it's been granted to you that things are not going to go your way. He gives an example in the first chapter how things didn't go his way. He's got in jail. Not what he wanted. But he said it is it is for Christ's sake. There's a bigger picture going on in your hurt. Friday morning, I went to visit someone who had surgery and, uh, and had his kidney removed. One of his kidneys removed. It had cancer. And I walked in to visit and talk to him. And he looked at me and he said, man, how you doing? And I said... Smokey, I'm doing better than you. And uh, he, he continued to try to encourage me in his suffering. And we talked through this whole situation of how he figured out what was going on in his body and, and a lot of struggles that led him to this place. And I asked him if I could share this story with you. And he said, God brought me here. God has a plan and a bigger product going on than me just sitting in this hospital bed. He said, I trust him. I believe him. And I know what he's doing is in showing me this is for the greater good. This is a man who believes that God is sovereign when things don't go our way. God is bigger And God has a plan that doesn't always line up with what we have planned. 
And y'all know the proverb. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but what? It's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It's not always our plans. Yes, we plan, but it's God's purposes that will come to an end. This morning, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to spend some time here in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, because Peter gives a a great uh, exposition here of what it means to to be in a difficult situation when things don't go our way. How do we respond when things don't go our way? Because even as Christians, we we want to handle things better than, than someone who is not in Christ or have the mind of Christ. Someone who doesn't have the mind of Christ handles a situation. We don't want to be seen as handling things when things don't go our way the same way as an unredeemed person would. We ought to have the mind of Christ, Paul says at the end of the second chapter of 1 Corinthians. The mind of Christ. So Peter says it this way. In this you rejoice. And we're picking up mid-paragraph here, mid-letter in uh, in chapter 1 verse 6. What is he saying in this you rejoice? And if you read back a few verses in your Bible, you can do that. Not on the screen. You'll see that he's talking about born-againness. Peter says you were born again to a living hope in verse 3. And and then he picks it up in verse 6 and says, in this you rejoice. Now, this is our year of joy. So I want to stop and just remind each of us that, Christian, you live in a state of born-againness. A state in which you have been born of God. You are spiritually alive in Christ. You are awakened to his glory and his goodness. And in this, Christian, rejoice. As we sing songs on a Sunday morning, rejoice in this. This is salvation that we're talking about. This is what we rejoice in. But not only that, salvation is something that that truly humbles us, doesn't it? And I, I, I talk to you guys And when we talk about salvation, the the response is, why me, God? Why would you save my soul? And as the psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him? This is the right response. And it was the response at Simon's house when, when a woman comes in and And to anoint Jesus, the very tears of brokenness over her sin fall upon Jesus' feet. And she has no no fancy uh, equipment to anoint him, so she takes her hair, all that she has, and and seeks to, to anoint his feet. The most disgusting part of his body. And she's got her face weeping on them. Salvation. In this you rejoice. And Peter continues, and and I'd like to continue here with with the, the rest of this verse. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary... 
you have been grieved by various trials. Uh, let's break that down because there are, there are four things in this little snippet of a passage that I think are important for us. When things don't go our way, when we are grieving, when we are hurting, when we are confused or dazed, Peter says, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Four things I want to, to, to point out to you that Peter gives us as hope. First of all, what does he say? Though now for a little while. When we're walking through difficulties in our lives, it is important to remember that they are for a little while. And I can share just personal testimony. 2023 was a a, a tough year for me. A lot of things that tested me and bothered me and brought me to grief. But... Thank God it's 2024 now, and it's a year for joy, and I'm past much of those things. It's a new year. They have passed, and and seasons that we go through of difficulty, they pass. And the Lord brings us to places, to, to an oasis, as Abby sang about, an oasis in the desert at times when things are, are tough. Because we need a refreshing and God knows that. And oftentimes he will do that. And somebody said, well, what if I found out I have terminal cancer or terminal health issues or lifelong ailing parents or grandparents that I'm caring for? It's just hard. Peter says, though, for a little while you've been grieved with these trials. And I want to encourage and remind you that you are born again, that you are born of eternal thread now. And that even if it's years upon years of grief and trial, there is an end in sight. And some of the hymns we write when we all get to heaven, what a day of what, Linda? Of rejoicing that will be. Some of these hymns that we sing are reminders That it's not just what's happening this year, next year, or even 10 years from now. That there is eternity at stake. This too, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Augustine said it this way, everywhere a greater joy is preceded by a greater suffering. And oftentimes the Lord brings a suffering to bring us to a place of joy. Now notice he gives not only just a perspective to the trials that they are for a while. He gives us a perspective, but he gives us a qualification to the trials. He says they are necessary. And and here's what I remind you is, and sometimes we forget when we get in these places, when things don't go our way and we don't like it. We begin to think that God is mad at us or God is God is out to get us or angry with us or maybe he's distant from us. And if you read through the Psalms, David is, where are you, God? Why are you not hearing my prayers, God? These are things that that a lot of times we 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 think. But we must remember 
that God is sovereign when things don't go our way. He is near to us. And that's what the psalmist, that's what David oftentimes got back to is, Lord, I know that you're near. I know that you hear me. Lord, let me trust in you. Think of Psalm 42 and 43, that Psalm medley put together there. I remind you again of, of Philippians 129, for it has been granted to you. If the Lord deems it necessary for us to go through a difficult season, church, we have to believe that that's what's best for us, don't we? Well, let me say that again. If the Lord grants us a season of suffering, or if he thinks it is, it is necessary, two biblical words there, granted and necessary, then we have to believe it's what's best for us. Because the scripture tells us that all things are working together for good for those who love him. Amen? Somebody? So if God is going to grant it, or if it is necessary, then it is for our good. He gives perspective, he gives qualification, and he also gives weight. Because this is, this is where probably we spend most of our, our trouble in. Is that Notice the verse, he says, you have been grieved by various trials. Grieved. We, we grieve, don't we? We know how to do that part. And sometimes we grieve into grumbling or resentment or manipulation of others. Sometimes we grieve in unhealthy ways. Peter knows they are grieving to us, that there is a weight. But, but the key point that I, I want to communicate for us this morning again is God is sovereign in our sufferings. In our anxieties, when things don't go, God has not left us. He is near. And so, weary soul this morning, do not faint. Do not grow weary. Do not buckle under the pressure. Y'all know the Isaiah 40, 31, we sing it in a song. For he will raise you up on eagle's wings. He will bear you on the breath of dawn. He will make you to shine like the sun. God is there. He's near. He will carry you when you are grieving. The Bible says God is near to the brokenhearted. David says that my, my tears are like in a bottle for God. He is saving them. He knows them. He's near me as I cry. And finally... We have been grieved by various trials. What we miss sometimes is that God is using life to form and fashion us into something of his desire. Y'all know Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. What does it say? For you are God's what? Workmanship. Oftentimes when we're going through various trials, we begin to think, we get the, the mully grubs, the woe is me's, we get self-centered. When the Lord has granted those things, he has, 
deemed them necessary for us in order to chisel away, in order to refine us to be where we need to be, in order to maybe cut away something and a part of us that that doesn't need to be there. Look, I can tell you, when I went through some difficult things, even last year, I had to examine a lot of my attitude, my heart, my desires. I, I questioned me. And oftentimes, that's what the Lord is doing through difficult times. He is working on the workmanship. Y'all, we need to understand and see it this way to get better. Psalm 42, verse 5 says this Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God. Our key point this morning is that God is sovereign, God is there, God is near. In even our difficulties. And this is what what David says here in the psalm. Hope in God. Don't lose hope in God. Regain hope in God. That God has something that he's doing in us and for us. And notice what he says. I shall again praise him. When I am facing difficulties... My heart knows that I desire to praise God, not to turn against him. He is my salvation. He is my God. And sometimes the question we ask is like, why? God, why? Why? We want to know why. And... Y'all know this. I'm just going to reiterate. We don't always get to know why this side of heaven, do we? We don't. Sometimes God deems necessary a trial for us to go through. But he doesn't always tell us why. And sometimes we have to figure that out. Or sometimes we just have to figure out that we are not going to figure it out. But Christian, that's maturity. That's growing up. We don't have to have every answer. Doesn't mean we don't look for answers. We don't have to have every answer. But Peter gives us some principles. We may not know why this specific thing, but Peter does give us some principles. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all hearing this? This is Peter's. This is God's word to us. Look what he says. So that... You want to know why you're going through various trials that are grieving to you? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire. You can burn up gold. You know that? You can burn it up. You can get so hot that gold just gets rid of. But your faith, you can't. So that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let me give you a few thoughts on this passage. There is purpose in your trial. Just because you are 
are grieving just because there's difficulty and just become things don't go your way doesn't mean that there's not a bigger purpose. And oftentimes that purpose is a part of our faith. It is to test our faith. It's, it's for something that is more precious than our comfort. And y'all, this is hard. Because all of us want to be comfortable. Our culture wants us to be comfortable. Our gut wants us to be comfortable. In fact, I, I think you want to be comfortable. And how do I know that? Because I listen. And, and oftentimes when we gather for prayer, we pray always for things that make us comfortable. My back's hurting today. Can y'all pray for my back? What do I want? I want comfort. My daughter's sick. Let's pray for her. Why? Because I'm not okay when she's sick. I want, I want that comfort. Our prayers reflect the idea that, and, and I'm not saying these are bad prayers. Don't hear that. But I'm saying they are a reflection of what we crave. I'll ask you this. How many of you have asked God for your faith to grow even if it hurts recently? Are your prayers prayers that really show that you care about who you are in Christ? That you are a valuable workmanship? And for some of you, I want to stretch some of you to be able to say, Lord, I, what the Bible says is that my faith is more precious than gold. It's more precious than the things around me. And, and even if it hurts, Lord, strengthen me and use me as a part of your plan. And you might say, well, Pastor Keith, that's hard prayers. Yes. They are. But we need not look much further than Jesus in the garden. And what did he pray, church? Help me out. What did he pray? Lord, let this cup pass away, but not my will. Let yours be done. Because Jesus knew he had to endure something that was for the greater good of the purposes of God. Right? And, and we see that Hebrews tells us that he does this for the joy that was set before him. We talked about that in the last few weeks. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. For the joy that was set before him. So what do we do when we are struggling and things don't go our way? Well, let me continue down to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. Stacy, I'm jumping ahead a little bit too. 1 Peter 
says this, Beloved, do not be surprised when the fiery trial, at the fiery trial, when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised. Christian, we, we need not be shocked. We need to be ready when things don't go our way. We need to be prepared to know and, and think like, okay, Lord, what is in this that I need to do or change or fix in my life? See, when we come surprised into a trial, we begin to panic. Like, ah, what am I supposed to do? Uh, it's like uh, my boys uh, play basketball and uh, one of my boys gets in particularly nervous before a basketball game. It's like, oh, man. Oh. And I, you get the ball and, and you're going to take a shot or what, what, are we, what am I supposed to do? I don't want to mess up. And, and so you, you get into this kind of a panic state at times. And then maybe you miss the layup and then you get the panic out and you're like, all right, now I got to make up for missing my layup. But you go into it, you're, 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 you're nervous and you don't respond like you're supposed to respond or play how you're supposed to play. And, and when trials come, church, sometimes we get nervous and we get the panic and we get like, ah, ah, it's your fault. It's your fault. Or I've got to fix this or I've got to do that. Or, or I'm, if, if I don't fix it in my head, then it's not going to be right. And, and I'm... Maybe, just maybe, the first question we ask is not whose fault it is, but maybe it's, Lord, what do I need to do to honor you in this situation? Don't be surprised when it comes upon you. It is to test you, says the scripture. When trials come upon us, they they test us. So thinking about that idea then of testing, the question is for us is what kind of faith do we have? All right, that's what a test does. It doesn't it? I took a lot of tests going through school and they wanted to know what I knew. That's, that's a test. What kind of, who are you? What are you made of? And, and sometimes these difficulty when things don't go our way. Ugh, what are we? How many of y'all have groaned at something, even like recently? Right? It, it's not going my way. Look at verse 13. Let me, let me focus in and dial in on this. Remember, God is sovereign. God is there. God is near when things don't go our way. Look at verse 13 with me. This is an opportunity for us to find out what we're made of. Peter says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. But rejoice Insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Hear it, church. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. When we face things that are difficult for us, we are sharing in Christ's sufferings. 
Jesus suffered. He bled. He died on a cross. He sweat, as it were, drops of blood. He agonized, the the Bible says, in the garden. He agonized. He suffered. Hey, Christian, you're not alone when you are suffering for God's sake. You're not alone. You are sharing in Christ's sufferings. Know that there is a purpose and a design for where you are. And what does Peter tell us to do? He tells us rejoice in that. That you are counted worthy to suffer as Christ did. Y'all know in in Acts when the the church was being persecuted by by people, they they prayed. And they prayed not that the persecution would go away. They prayed that they would be bold under the persecution. If you were there, what would you pray? Oh Lord, please let them stop. Hitting us. Lord, please help them stop. Lord, deliver us from the hitting. What did they pray for? Boldness. We've got a long way to go, don't we? You know what they said too? They said that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. I've got a long way to go. Here's what I deal with. I don't know about y'all, but I I deal with wanting to, like a turtle. Titus brought me a turtle this week. Like walked into my office and said, hey, look what I found. And had a turtle in his hand. But that's what I feel like sometimes. The suffering comes. And I want to get in my shell to protect me. Because that shell protects me. Let me, let me give you some testimony from Paul Brand. He was a, a doctor from our area, went to India as a, uh, to bring the gospel message to India. India, brilliant mind, has written many books. If, if you want to read some good stuff, Paul Brand read some really good stuff. Here, here's a, a quote from an article I read from Paul Brand written by him this week. He said this. He said, after the war, I moved to India. In that land of poverty and omnipresent suffering, I learned that pain can be born with dignity and calm acceptance. Calm acceptance. Is that how we do it? It was there that I began treating leprosy patients, pariahs whose tragedy stems from the absence of physical pain. The horrible disfigurement associated with this disease we now know has to do with the numbing of the sensation of pain. Did you know this? People with leprosy lack an internal system to warn them of danger. They often wear their fingers, hands, and feet down to stumps. Later, in the United States... A nation whose war for independence was fought in part to guarantee a right to, quote, the pursuit of happiness. I encountered a society 
that seeks to avoid pain at all costs. Patients lived at a greater comfort level than any I had previously treated, but they seemed far less equipped to handle the suffering and far more traumatized by it. Pain relief in the United States is now a $63 billion a year industry. And television commercials proclaim better and faster pain remedies. And one ad slogan bluntly declares, I haven't got time for the pain. If y'all remember that ad campaign. What is Christian joy? A quality in us given by the Holy Spirit that delights in God. Christian, let me talk for just a moment to give some application for all of this this morning. When things don't go your way, you are no stranger to the Christian family. Uh, I encourage you to read the rest of 1 Peter chapter 4. It talks about suffering for making bad decisions. That's one thing. But suffering because God has given to us or portioned to us something is there to refine us. And it's there to bring us to a place where we trust God more than our own comfort or our own plans that we have devised. And so the key point this morning is that Christian joy would flood up in the time where things are not going our way. And when when something happens that we don't like, we can say, God, you have ordained this in your goodness. Praise your name. I don't like it, God, but I receive it and trust that you are working something bigger than I can comprehend. Christian, do not be surprised when things don't go our way. God has not ordered this world to go our way. He has ordered this world for a grander purpose. And that grander purpose we must keep in mind. And that is why the scripture over and over tells us when we suffer to do it with joy. Because the joy is that God's honor and glory and praise is worth more than our temporal comfort. Let me give you one more story. Paul Brand's mother was in India with him. She served there for, I think it was 40 years, 50 years there. He tell, and I'm, I'm going to read it to you. It may be better read, read to you. He tells of the story of his mother who was a missionary in India who did, not, who did something that symbolized a life devoted through suffering to the glory of God and not to herself. Dr. Brand writes this, quote, For mother, pain was a frequent companion. It was sacrifice. I say it kindly and in love, but in old age, mother had little of physical beauty left in her. The rugged conditions combined with the crippling falls 
and her battles with typhoid, dysentery, malaria had made her a thin, hunched over, old woman. Years of exposure to wind and sun had toughened her facial skin into leather and furrowed it with wrinkles as deep and as extensive as any I have ever seen on a human face. Mother knew it as well as anyone. And for the last 20 years of her life, she refused to keep even a mirror in her house. God is sovereign. God has a plan. And it's not to make our bodies more beautiful. It's not to make our bodies more comfortable. It is that we might know our Lord Jesus Christ and make him known and glorify him for who he is. So church, Let us rally together and say, when things don't go my way, praise be to God, I can bear up under this. Jesus has saved this sinner that repented. And I will give my life, whether in good times or in bad, until death do us come together. In Jesus' name, I will honor him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your words of scripture that remind us of the importance of your hand in our suffering, your hand when things don't go our way, and that you can produce a joy in us supernaturally to carry us through. Oh God, we love you. We trust you. Lord, I pray specifically for those in this room, those listening, that are struggling, who are downcast, who have the weight upon them of things not going their way. God, point them to your goodness, to your care, to your hand. Lord, draw them near to you and give them a joy produced by the Holy Spirit that overcomes any deficiencies that they may have. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.